We are the paradoxical ape. Bipedal, naked, large-brained. Long the master of fire, tools, and language, but still trying to understand ourselves. Aware that death is inevitable, yet filled with optimism. We grow up slowly. We hand down knowledge. We empathize and deceive. We shape the future from our shared understanding of the past. Carta brings together experts from diverse disciplines to exchange insights on who we are and how we got here. An exploration made possible by the generosity of humans like you. As you've heard, Carter is a, a remarkable um, institution. Its professed goal is to explore and explain the origins of the human phenomenon. Now, over the years, this has meant looking at human evolution from many points of view. Previous symposia have explored the role of language, bipedalism, uh, domestication, disease. But I think today's meeting is the first to be concerned with the role in human evolution of an idea. The idea is a dreadfully simple one. It's that each one of us is going to die. And when we're dead, we're dead. <laughs> like, like, like this parrot in the famous Monty Python sketch, we, we humans will be no more. We've ceased to be. We've rung down the curtain and joined the choir invisible. We are ex-human beings. Well, we can laugh at the parrot, but of course it's no laughing matter when it comes to human death. The German photographer, Walter Schells, has taken photos of people in the terminal stages of illness shortly before they died, and then a day later. On the left is a living human being, on the right an ex-human. The living humans understood all too well what was soon to happen. Some were sad, some were angry, some were at peace. Some believed with Peter Pan that to die would be an awfully big, an awfully big adventure. But all understood that as persons, they were soon to be annihilated. So when did the idea of personal mortality first become current among our ancestors? Uh, and what were the consequences for humans' evolutionary trajectory? Is it true, as has been claimed, that once humans became aware of their own mortality, everything changed? Is it true that the, that the idea of death became the wellspring of human activity? Well, we'll shortly be hearing from our distinguished speakers about the psychological, practical, even magical techniques that humans have devised to deny that death is indeed the final destiny of man. 
But this is an evolutionary symposium, so we're going to start with questions about the development of death awareness, how it evolved in the history of our species, and how it still evolves in each one of us as individuals today. Voltaire wrote in his Philosophical Dictionary, the human race is the only one that knows that it must die, and it knows this only through its experience. A child brought up alone and transported to a desert island would have no more idea of death than a cat or a plant. Well, he's making two important claims here. First, that humans alone among animals do understand about death. And second, that this understanding is not innate. Each of us has to acquire it by watching and listening to what goes on around us. Little Elmira here was just 17 months old. It seems safe to assume that she didn't know she was about to die. But what about Yannick? He was six years old. Paul Harris, the leading developmental, developmental psychologist from Harvard, will be telling us about research on just when and how children do in fact find out about death and what kind of interpretations they put on it. How much do children work out for themselves? How much do they rely on what they're taught? And later, Rita Stuti, a brilliant social anthropologist, will discuss the influence of the local culture of belief, how children can be taught to turn the facts on their head and to see death not as an end, but a beginning. But do we really have to be taught about death? Could someone, man or, or animal, learn the biological facts about death and their own mortality just by looking? That's to say, by observing others die, by recognizing their own likeness in them, and then simply putting two and two together. Well, if this kind of learning is possible, why should it be restricted to human beings? Um, the answer is that it may not be. We'll hear from Dora Biro, the Royal Society Research Fellow at Oxford, about evidence for some sort of death awareness in chimpanzees. And then Jack Musloff, Professor of Wildlife Science at Washington University, will tell us about how crows, too, try to puzzle out the meaning of the death of their conspecifics. Now, no one has yet tried teaching the meaning of death to a chimpanzee. But back in the days when scientists rated the linguistic abilities of chimps rather more highly than most of us do now, David Premack did discuss the possibility. He wrote, can I tell the ape that it will die? If we succeeded in communicating this information to even one animal, saw its hair stand on end, heard it moan, we would know we'd provided the necessary conceptual elements. But. What if, like man, the ape dreads death and will deal with this knowledge as bizarrely as we have, with the invention of ritual, myth, and religion? Until I can suggest concrete steps in teaching the concept of death without fear, I have no intention of imparting the knowledge of mortality to an ape. Well, Premack was getting ahead of the facts here, as he often did. Uh, still, this passage does raise interesting questions, or rather begs them. First, Premack assumes that humans do, in fact, fear death in a hair-raising way. And second, he assumes that ritual, myth, and religion have enabled human beings to conquer that fear. 
Well, we have the, the world's expert on the psychology and neuroscience of fear, Joe Ledoux, to discuss what kind of fear, fear of death actually is, if it's a fear at all. But whether it's a fear or more properly an anxiety, there's no question that it leaves its mark on us, and long has done so. We're privileged to have Lord Colin Renfrew from Cambridge to review the archaeological evidence for when death-defying practices first arose in human history. So here's the big question. How have such, uh, act, have such bizarre practices, have such bizarre practices actually been essential to the survival of our species? Without them, would death-aware human beings have become paralyzed by fear? Sheldon Solomon, one of the architects of terror management theory, will tell us yes. But the co-director of, of Carter, Ajit Vaki, has, has his own ideas about this. Ajit thinks that what saved our species was not so much the invention of cultural defenses as an evolutionary change in the human brain. Mind over reality, denial. And then finally, my own role in the, in the afternoon's proceedings will be to discuss the unexpected phenomenon of human suicide. So we have a rich afternoon ahead of us of science and philosophy. And despite the dark material, I hope you'll find it fun.